0: Or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com
1: Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago, and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A dot com. And use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the Endodna Collection. kit. Ca- Endo-decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo-aligned product matching in your state, suggested to guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, EndoDNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind. Created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. His sleep is eluding you. Sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at ENDODNA.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit.
2: All right. It is 420 somewhere. I'm Mickey 420, the accidental journalist, and you're joining me. We're gonna talk with uh Todd Sullivan from uh Canepineur. I love
1: that intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do as well. Hey Todd, thanks for coming on, man. I was uh gonna try to we have a commercial in earlier, but, um, oops. Uh, <laughs> Was for the Missouri shit stuff. Happens. No, no, it's in the show notes. It's, it's for oh. our own stuff, you know, um, yeah. You know, <laughs> how you could come on the podcast and like, you know what the podcast is. It's a uh, four twenty somewhere where we interview somebody from the industry and, um, you know, uh, kind of go over what they're about and how they're helping people out uh, and then you can find out more about our network, Cannabis Legalization News, uh, 448,000 fans strong and head on over to Cannabis Legalization News, which has a sponsorship page. If you guys wanted to get your brand on or to do some other stuff with us. But Todd, thank you so much for
3: joining us from Cannapreneur Partners. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So, what is well, does you
1: introduce yourself and explain uh, what you're what you're doing in the industry?
3: So, Cannabis Partners in the simplest form is a cannabis holding company. So we raise we raise funds from independent investors. We deploy those funds either into a our operational activities, whether they be dispensaries, extraction facilities, cultivations, manufacturing, delivery, etc or we make minority investments in outside companies um, via joint ventures or equity investments or whatever. That sounds so much fun. Uh,
1: It's kind (laughs) of what I'm trying to do with uh, my company collateral base. And hopefully in the coming year, more opportunities will present itself in Illinois. How is the Massachusetts market playing out? You know,
3: it's interesting. So if you want to get a, relatively decent idea of what's going to happen in Illinois, just pay attention to the Massachusetts market. So most of the markets that I've witnessed, and there's one advantage to being on the East coast is that we're the last to do everything right. Mm -hmm. Colorado, California, Oregon, Washington, they all legalized first. They were the, you know, the, the test two babies of (laughs) cannabis legalization for lack of a better word. You know, they enacted their rules. They're trying to figure it out. We've, on the, on the East Coast, have had the benefit of watching that out. You know, what went right, what went wrong? How can we adjust it for the East Coast? And like most states, there's this tremendous rush for cultivation and mm-hmm. legalization happens because obviously there's a, a dearth of supply when mm-hmm. you legalize your state and wholesale prices are outrageous. But like everything else, it's a cult. It's an agricultural product, right? Yeah. And agriculture is a race to the bottom as far as price goes. And mm. none of us north of the Mason Dixon line are ever going to be the low cross producers of cannabis, right? Because we have to grow it indoors. We get one grow outside mm. every year. Whereas places in California and the Southeast and the Southwest can grow three, four or five times out a year. So what we're seeing in Massachusetts is retailers are doing fantastic manufacturers are doing fantastic but there's about to be a i would call it a moderate to severe shakeout in the cultivation industry in the northeast especially Mm. massachusetts over the next six to eight months um and at that point in time we will be looking to add cultivation to our um our stable of companies that we have but uh Mm. you know right now we have in massachusetts four times the amount of active, active cultivation in the licensing process scheduled to come online in the next two years. Oh, wow. Well, so I don't know if you took Econ 100 or not, yes. but if you did, <laughs> right, that means we are currently very supply constrained. So, you know, cultivators for the last, you know, we, we legalized in, what, 2017. We had our first dispensaries open 2019. So for the last three years, we've had uh, cultivators have ruled the market They've dictated terms, and I I have a serious belief that that's about to come to a very abrupt end, and uh, it's probably going to happen in January or February of this year. Um, Due to the new licenses. What? Due to the crops. And so like yeah. you get a license, crops, you get your certificate yeah. of
1: operation. And then Massachusetts is awesome. You have to get an HCA. It's, it's a different beast than an Illinois model in the sense that it's more the New Jersey model. And so I think that Massachusetts and New Jersey are going to be very similar use cases where yes. you have the dual licensing system in an unlimited licensing structure. So if you can apply and get your license processed, you'll get awarded it, but then stand it up and now farm and To a harvest and now try to get at some shelf space, which can right. be yeah. uh, very, very difficult. Uh, Todd, are you allowed to be vertically integrated in Massachusetts? I know that in New York and also in Washington state, you have to pick a side. Yeah. yeah.
3: So no, in Massachusetts, we're a lot of people, you know, it's funny. It's kind of like, For the last four years, all I've heard is people complaining about um, California regulators saying, I can't believe anybody screwed up the market as bad as California regulators did. And then it's kind of like we got to New York and New York was like, hold my beer. We got this. (laughs) We can fuck this up before it even launches. (laughs) And honestly, uh, New York butchered this market before they even launched it. So we were. We were very optimistic on the New York market until about six, eight weeks ago. And we're probably in the, in the process of pivoting to New Jersey because New Jersey has adopted the majority of the Massachusetts model. Right, correct. There's uh, limited licenses per holder. Um, it kind of keeps the MSOs out. Uh, it enables wealth creation at the local level first. Okay. And mm-hmm. then at the MSO level secondarily. Which is ideal for what most people are trying to accomplish in cannabis, but yeah, New York—I don't know what New York. It almost like New York rolled out of market and they self-sabotaged it before it I even. I think
1: they out. were listening to Illinois too much. Yeah, I think maybe. they were listening to Illinois.
3: I've never seen anything like it. It's like
1: banning. There's verticals. been no licenses in our state for three Why? years, and like, right. and like right. you're you're talking how many dispensaries we have two that have been opened how many dispensaries have been opened in Massachusetts
3: since legalization 225 we got 225 wow. two. you know. yeah every state every state that has done a lottery system has ended up in law school lawsuits even Connecticut you know Connecticut did a lottery system and of course there's lawsuits immediately because there's people who are overly qualified for these licenses don't get them Mm -hmm. And then somebody's cousin, who's a state legislature, gets 10 out of 12 applications he applied for granted, and people start suing everyone. Every single state, Florida, Illinois, Connecticut, name your state. If you had a lottery system for licenses, you will end up in massive lawsuits because it's a crooked system from the beginning. I like Massachusetts' model where there's no lottery, but it's limited licenses. You can only hold X number of licenses. So when you get that license, when you get past that, regulatory red tape bottleneck that you have to get through. Mm. You have something that's really valuable. Mm. Uh, and a lot of States have ruined that. I don't believe that. I mean, you are, I just tell you that New York has $750 million of cannabis that they've granted to these conditional growers that are ready to be sold. They have no outlet to sell, to sell it to. So what are they going to, I mean, let's, let's be real. What are these guys going to do? They're going to sell it to the illicit market, right? They're not well, going to destroy it. They're not going to yeah. starve. They're going to do what they have to do. New York just literally created the biggest bump to the illegal market in cannabis in the history of the U S
1: it was pretty bad. And then I think that's why they came out and they, they've said, here's our 36 guys. And then they've probably already built 36 dispensaries. They're going to give them the keys. And then what that's going to go right. This person had to put in nothing for this business. And then you just get, how is that going to play out? And then how many licenses are they even going to have? How is that going to be processed? I have the same beef with Illinois, where they just say we're going to only have X amount of licenses, and then they're going to be awarded to Y people. You know,
2: uh, New York's missing, it, an, op- they're uh, missing it, an opportunity because uh, I was just thinking because you guys are, 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 are like I just. Seems to me there's been a lot of hate for the way New York's been developing, and and that's for good reason, you know, just like California. But it's always about the traditional market, right? The the legacy market, like that's who they're competing against, and uh, they're missing an opportunity right now because when we talk to Danny Danko and other people from New York, they say there's no problem getting weed. Like they walk outside the store, there's a store, there's a there's a storefront, right? Someone has the the balls to open up a place and say, yeah, weed here. And then California just now they had all those uh, raids that happened with 300 stores, you know, stores, like you would think the brick and mortar were safe. Right. Cause it's supposed to be that, right. We're supposed to go from the, the side hustle where I meet you in the back alley to to a store and and and, and they shouldn't license those people who are already taking the, the try. Right. Opposed to like making this weird gamble of open. I mean, you have the market already existing right now. Kind of like what Oregon did. Right. Where, they turn over from medical, just like flip your sign. You know, what's, and then where's, where there weren't any lawsuits with Oregon? Not, not, be, and I think it was because of the way it was transitioned. Opportunities there, but
3: Oregon was a little different. I mean, Oregon, I mean, let's be honest, if you could fog a mirror, you got a license, right? Yeah. <laughs> Massachusetts is very hard to get a license, but that license has value because Massachusetts regulators and Massachusetts police actually enforce the regulations, right? You and I could go open a legal dispensary in New York or California, and let's assume we get caught. And that's a very big assumption at this point. Yeah. What's our worst case scenario? Maybe a $1,500 fine. If we're really unlucky, they take our product. But most likely they tell us, get out of this establishment. Then we go lay low for two or three weeks, you open right back up, and let's assume we get caught again, right? If you did that in Massachusetts, if you open a fake dispensary in Massachusetts, you'll be doing prison time. They don't mess around with the regulations and their legal market here. In New York and California, the two largest possible markets have chosen to not regulate it and basically just turn it over to the illicit market, which is what they've both done. And it's a, it's a shame and it's a tragedy, but there are legally licensed people in both of those states busting their ass yeah. to adhere to regulations, to follow the rules, and they're getting crushed from That's the right. market And the regulators, and worse than the regulators, the legal authorities don't have the balls to go in there and regulate that market to assume that, hey, legal tested weed is safe as coming to you. You have illegal dispensaries selling God knows who what all over the place. It's disgusting. It really is. It's it's really sad. If we were an electric company, if we were a a pharmacy, if we were whatever, they would never allow that to happen. That's
2: what I'm saying. you, You have the markets of farms already out there. So, make these guys be like, look, we know who you are. So now you're going to have to get tested because you're, they're making money. They're making all the tax free money. Like, this is why the traditional market is going <laughs> to win. Or, but it's not you're going to win.
1: Walk. Like, if it's legal, there's yeah. no traditional market of bootleg liquor anymore. You know, no. like, because yeah. it became fed, it's the. Uh, What that's going on is a direct byproduct of the federal nothing policy. If there was an actual federal policy, then they wouldn't have anywhere to go. And they'd be like, yeah, no problem. We're going to get this stuff tested. We're going to want to ship it from California to Kansas where they don't have any farms or something like that. They're going to want to do interstate travel or interstate uh, uh, commerce in their products so that their prices can normalize.
3: That's a great point. Try and sell illegal liquor know in, in a storefront anywhere in the US right now try yeah. and sell you you're it, you'll be caught within weeks your product' off the shelf and you you'll be you'll be prosecuted for it but th- they're allowing illegal weed places all over the place and then the same people that allow it want to bitch about what's going on about It's like do your job right do your job you have rules in place to allow for a legal market for yeah. legal tested product that can be sold and you're allowing, the illegal market to take over in these states it's it's well, they're kind it's of all, laughable. it's laughable
2: well no there is i mean it is and like I, and that's what how like with cannabis itself it's a unique um product right commerce because it, it was an outlaw industry but now I, to your, your 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 uh you know your, your point Uh, California, like I was saying, they're cracking down just in 2022, 300 illegal marijuana dispensaries, those liquor mortars. So they are cracking down on that traditional market. But I I just think these guys are making money because the state's not working with them. Like when regulation occurs, you know, they're not really thinking about the end consumer.
1: They aren't working with the state. They don't want to pay the taxes agree they don't want to be compliant with the security protocols and the odor mitigation and the zoning they don't want to go to that board meeting where you have to get the special use variants for your uh, piece of real estate they just want to make the cash
3: yeah but, I mean, that's true friends of mine I have friends of mine in New York City texting me pictures of illegal dispensaries It's like how could, there is no legal adult use dispensary open in the state of New York right now And I'm getting dozens of pictures from people. Hey, here's a dispensary. It's not medical. It's a (laughs) Why can't the police find this? Why can't the regulators find this? Why can't the politicians find this and shut it down? They're choosing to ignore it. They're choosing to let it flourish And then they're going to bitch and moan, oh, the legal market's not working. We don't know what happened. They'll throw up their hands and they'll blame somebody else. They're allowing this to happen under their nose before the market even launches. I got 20 pictures on my cell phone of illegal dispensaries. You can't tell me that New York State Police, uh, New New York City Police, Yeah cannabis control, the uh, office of cannabis management in New York doesn't have these same pictures. They're letting it happen. They're letting their market be destroyed before it opens. It's, but, you know, it's though bad. you can it's also bad. put
2: the, the thing towards law enforcement priorities, right? Cause it's like, I can go to any city in this country or hell in the world. And I can find all the bad stuff. You know what I mean? I know where to go for all the bad stuff. So it's, 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 it's kind of cool that we're at that level where cannabis, the cops will turn their backs on it now, because I remember even when it was medical, you pull out of the driveway, they'll follow you around for a little bit because yeah. it was still a low hanging bullshit fruit of crime. I'm hundred percent for regulation. Like there's, but you have to talk about what. what is regulation, right? Like the licenses definitely is the one, right? Because cannabis is just another product. It's just another thing that like the, like Thomas uh, we were talking about earlier, it could have been cupcakes, broccoli, whatever it is I want to get beans into.
3: Green beans. Yeah, it's an agricultural mm-hmm. product.
2: Yeah. And, and there so- are
3: regulations. Exactly.
2: And, and testing requirements for this thing. And then this, the taxes that really get them right. It's the taxing. And then sometimes there is excessive regulation as far as like uh the, the surveillances, right. You're going to require somebody to have like X amount of dollars in a pocket before they start the business. I mean, sometimes I, I think the onus comes on the person, right? If you got deep pockets and you're going to go can't, you want that security. You want all that stuff. But sometimes these people, when it comes to like someone getting involved in a market, like when it was medical, I remember, Small people in a house would take it to the pot shop, you know, kind of like a, but if they required that person to get it tested first, you know, that to get involved into the, to be on a cell for commerce, you know, that's something that could be self-sustaining for the people. But right now we're still at this level of like when they created the governing bodies, like they did in Michigan and Washington state, ex-law enforcement had to be part of the governing board. Why? Because this crazy plant's going to make you do crazy shit, but it doesn't. You know what I mean? It's like we got to have this reason why, but it's, 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 a much to do about nothing. You know, I've been telling Tom for what, the six years I've been doing this. It's like, how four it long? four years, three and years. a half. We
1: yeah.
2: Got, well, I was thinking four. about my job too. And all this shit, go ahead. Sorry.
3: I can appreciate the non hysteria for the plant amongst law enforcement and regulars at this point in time. But at the end of the day, you've created a business structure. You've created an industry you have the obligation to then enforce the rules of that industry for everyone involved, right? We don't allow people to refine oil at a backyard refinery and sell it to the public. We don't allow people to create pharmaceuticals outside the pharmaceutical industry and sell them to pharmacies to sell. Why are we allowing people to sell and cultivate and provide this product to the public outside of the legal framework we've created to do it in? That's where well, Why are we creating a legal is- framework where it is impossible to engage in the that operation? Does. Even even yeah. better point, even better yeah. point. Right. So you have an industry that's come up from the ground that you have a lot of people following the rules, paying the taxes. Uh, you know, we yeah. can argue all day about whether regulation is excessive too much, not enough, but they're following whatever rules are in place. Right. And these States are allowing those people who choose not to follow those rules Who choose to go around the framework they've set up, they're letting them operate illegally. And that's just not okay. It's not okay for the industry as a whole. And it's not okay for the people who invested millions of dollars into a business to run it legally to be undercut by the states allowing people to operate outside of those guidelines it's just not right And you know
2: how many people are upset right now like and i really appreciate your your point of perspective because you and tom come from the business side right like i no. really you know, like you said someone who's invested with millions of dollars right because the other side of this uh product is the culture right like all the mm-hmm. all the people who who are like here in washington state uh it was the recreational market that legit killed the medical market and i mean killed it by legislation Yep. because legislation call comes down to who you empower and what the rules say and and then who else is gonna like it got tiring for a lot of people right So just to, to keep making a stand. I mean some there are still a small people that are medical that are doing a thing out here but for the most part the the predominant animal is the recreational market right even yeah. traditional market if they're making if someone's growing weed and selling it, most likely they're selling it uh, across state lines right not within the market because I, I as a consumer, the quality has been gotten has been getting better. So like I'll get an eighth or quarter for you know sixty to a uh, thirty dollars you know spend and and, and it's pretty decent amount now the other thing as a consumer I'm taking it out but then you also have the patient side of things where it has to be properly purged and all the other you know treated and, and be a, a wellness thing so this this plant has so many just arguments for it against it so weird to like uh 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 for the law what it should be and that's what it comes down to what should mm-hmm. the law be right so so you can be a, a law-abiding citizen playing a game either being a farmer or being the store or whatever well,
1: i think how massachusetts that. has done it has been one of the better like yeah. just looking at them around uh f- f- i mean like there's very little regulations in new mexico it appears and then uh, also in oklahoma but there's no which- market uh, well, well, they a not- two million people and then they have many more millions in uh, Massachusetts. Mm. Uh, but then it just becomes a from a policy perspective. What are we trying to accomplish here and, and what's how are we going to effectuate that? Right. Uh, you can get into the industry in Massachusetts. You, it's you have to be serious about it. It's more like a Michigan or a New Jersey where you want to get in. They're going to make sure that you toe the line and do what's required. Yeah. And that, I think, creates the safest experience for everybody, because then you have a way in for entrepreneurs as opposed to it being, you know, putatively rigged, like if we're in Arizona or in Illinois or in New York. Uh, but then also you have levels of safety and protocols that are going to happen at least until you can pay for it with your credit card. And it's not such a theft risk. Right. That theft risk is is very real. and yeah. And so, like, you have to have the security because of it.
3: In New York, we're, I mean, in Massachusetts, we're lucky because we can use debit cards. So I mm. think 80% of our transactions are dispensaries through debit card. So we don't hold a lot of cash in our dispensaries, which is a really nice thing. Yeah. Um, but I agree with your point that you know anyone who thinks New York's not going to end up in massive lawsuits when they start passing out these, uh, these uh, a, a dispensary licenses to select individuals that they've handpicked, they're delusional it's going to end up in massive lawsuits in new york because of the way they're doing their program mm-hmm. um you know but to your point miggy i mean even uh, all states allow home grow no right so you know no. massachusetts i'm allowed i think 5 to 8 plants i think new jersey's allowed maybe 12 i could be wrong don't as a me. med-
2: as a medical though
3: uh but you know even home grow even Not a home In Massachusetts, we can have up to five plants at our south grow. You know, it's kind of, you know, I can brew my own wine and I can make my own beer at home kind of thing too in small batches. The problem becomes when that becomes an industry, not a home grow. And when that becomes five plants become 50 and they start selling it outside and they're doing it without fear of any regulatory or police structure, they're undercutting those people who – have gone through the licensing process, are doing things that they're supposed to do. And that's what I have a problem with. If you want to grow five plants at home for yourself and your friends, you know what? God bless you. Go for it. Do it. But when you start growing in excess of that and, and you're commercializing that product, then that's an issue for me because there are a lot of us who are dealing with the red tape and dealing yeah. with the mountains that we have to deal with and paying the taxes on our product that, that it hurts. It hurts. It, and it hurts. When, they in, when when people do things on the private side that undercut the legal business, whether they realize it or not, they're hurting the industry as a whole because they're retarding its growth. They're they're slowing down this growth. They're slowing down adaption of that as a normal way to purchase product. And they're keeping that illicit market, untested product market alive. And for them and their small group of friends, that's fine. But when they start giving that out and selling it to general public, I think that's just at this point in time, and I understand the history of it and why it was necessary and why it was a good thing at some point in time. But right now they're hurting the industry as a whole and they're hurting, uh, cannabis adoption from the general public and they're undermining that. And that's what I have a problem with, because honestly this plant I'm convinced this plant saves lives. No one can convince me this plant doesn't save lives. It stops addiction. It stops opioid overdoses. It stops alcohol addiction. It stops alcohol overdoses. It stops violent crime. It starts property crime. You can go down the list all day long of things this plant solves. So the industry and those people on all sides of it should be working together to promote the industry and easy access to quality tested product. And that's the key. Quality tested product. And if the illicit mm-hmm. market can get quality tested product, then God bless them, go for it. But until yeah. that time that they can, they're hurting us.
1: Yeah, you're yeah. not allowed to just sell bourbon and no. say, exactly. hey,
3: here's bourbon. Exactly.
1: Did you I test it? Wine. I can't yeah.
3: sell it to the public. I can make wine in my basement for six years in a row, but I can't mm-hmm. sell it to the public. That's right. a problem. And I would be shut down relatively quickly if I started doing that. It should be the same for cannabis.
2: Oh yeah, I I just think as long as there's fifty divided little laws, you're gonna have you know until fairly little, then it's gonna be that fair competition that you can really advocate for because there are people that have at risk time or whatever. But uh, um, and again, it's just it's it's just so. Uh, uh, what is regulation? What needs to be the rules, right? Like like that's the like you Tom, you're you're talking about to your to your point about the theft part, right? Like. Uh, here in Washington State, I've been seeing it again. There's been a lot more thefts, and and these guys are crazy, dude. Like one guy took a bulldozer and rammed it into the front door to one one pot shop. Another person, I uh,
1: seen that. yeah. And then no, got, they've been murders in Washington yeah. State at pot shops. Are you and they call them pot
3: shops there, there, which I always found charming. Can you uh? use an ATM transaction out there, or are you just pure cash?
2: So some people do use credit unions and stuff like that. So there's, but it's off and on because of obviously the, the laws, right? Like one right. person will try like a Bitcoin thing for a minute. That didn't work out very well. I mean, no. it works out great for the consumer. It's a very, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh I like to use my card, right? Nobody carry, wants to carry cash, but like back to your point about the, the theft thing, dude, you know, it's like that has always been part of the argument when it comes to like the legalization. And, and, and I think for a standardization, we're not really to, to create that non-theft would be like the home grow because like then, then it becomes like a thing that everybody can do. Cause right now somebody pointed out to me was, I used to think it'd be like syndicates almost like people breaking into these pot shops and instilling shit just to be like some way of revenue instead of like, why is there so many jewelry store robberies? Right. It's always these pot shops, but it's because it's kids. It's these dumb kids who will hotwire a car and then crash a car through the front door of the damn pot shop and steal whatever they can because that just happened here like last month. And 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 so and then just recently in Oregon, kids were caught uh, uh, with the armed robbery stuff. Like that it's dumb kids who make any decisions. So the security really doesn't do much when a kid's willing to take a car into the front door, but it's the laws that need to catch up with you know that barrier because it's not when it's not valuable. You know why, why aren't these kids crashing in the jewelry stores or whatever? You know, like or gunshot. Well, they are. I don't it know. Just get reported to you.
3: I don't yeah. know if it was uh, on uh, Clyde from Bonnie and Clyde or Machine Gun Kelly or whoever it was, but they asked somebody Rob Banks. He said because that's where they keep the money. And, the money is yeah. right. That's you know when you're when you have a cash business, you are ripe for rod. I don't care if it's I don't care if you're selling cannabis liquor. You know, you're selling chashkis. You're selling T-shirts. If you're a pure cash business, you've opened yourself to robberies because the thieves know you yeah. have cash. So yeah. get the cash out of the system. Let yeah. them use ATMs. Let them use credit cards. They're diluting Regulators are delusional to think it's not happening already. It's happening all over the place. Yeah. Just let it happen. You would eliminate that problem overnight. You know, nobody robs banks anymore because banks don't keep shit for cash in there anymore. It's all electronic transactions. What do they do? They rob liquor stores and convenience stores because those are mostly cash transactions. Yeah. And I, mean, I think it, the it regulation
1: for the security. And so like if you yeah. go to a bank It's going to look very similar to if you go to a casino or if you go to a well-regulated cannabis dispensary, you're going to see these little cameras all over the place. But if you go to a gas station or if you go to just a regular liquor store, that's not this level of compliance you're going to see that if you're at like a federally insured, you know, a depository institution, yeah. uh, it, those types of things can make, you know, a bank that might have closed that branch more advantageous because they've already done a lot of the, um, more difficult construction aspects of the dispensary that can help you save some money, but you still are usually going to have to build to the the specifications of the regulations. Um, yes. So in math, it, it's, it's, the, how much less uh, regulation for security do you think we would reap if it was uh, just like any other, it's a high end product. I mean, you're going to have a lot, you're going to have thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars of inventory are in there. So you still want to keep that secure. Uh, but then you're not going to have the cash issue. How much so less security is going to need?
3: I'll tell you what Massachusetts is like. I have a dispensary open. I have 52 cameras in that dispensary. Wow. Every square inch on the inside and the outside other than bathrooms and employee changing rooms are covered by a camera. Nobody can walk even around my building without of every step they take being captured by camera. Okay. And at the end of the day, Massachusetts dispensaries are not being robbed. The only dispensary that I'm aware of we had that was robbed was after the riots um, of the was it, 2021, there was the riots all over the U S Uh, The first African-American-owned dispensary in Massachusetts was robbed. They spent two hours cutting through the roof of the vault with a sawzall. They finally got through and stole the inventory. It took them two hours to saw through it, but obviously the police were busy with a bunch of other stuff. That was low priority. Other robberies have happened at night. People have broken in. All they've gotten are iPads or, you know, computer systems sitting on shelves and point of cell terminals. They've not robbed the vaults because they can't get through them in time because my my cameras are hooked up to my police station. If my alarm goes off, you got three minutes to get out of my dispensary. You cannot cut through my vault wall in three minutes unless you're going to blow it up and destroy mm-hmm. everything inside. Mm-hmm. You can't cut through that in a tool fast enough to get out there for the police show up. Yep. And that's, and that's
1: exactly like in Illinois. The regulation specifically says your video feeds. For us, it's ISP, Illinois State Police. Yep. You go to your local law enforcement. They're able to watch it, too. And then you have all these access control and alarm systems. So as soon as the guy gets in there and starts to try to do anything, they're done. everyone they're knows.
3: Done. Yeah. yeah. I got a better odds of jumping over the counter at a Walmart and stealing a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of Vicodin and OxyContin mm. and getting out safely, than I do going into a can of suspensory and stealing an equal amount of product that, oh, by the way, won't kill anybody at all. Right. Right. What's and time- that's a fact. I go to Walmart and get my prescriptions, the whole thing is open to me. I could yeah, I got you know, three Indian women at my Walmart. I could easily overpower, grab a bunch of stuff, <laughs> run out of the door, I'm out of there in two minutes. I and the video easy. is grainy, if there the is three. a, right?
2: <laughs> Todd, what's a what's a pound go for out there, in Massachusetts, then? What's the what? Like a pound? What's the average pound price? Oh, out there?
3: I, this is interesting. So we we legalized at about ten thousand dollars a pound. Holy! Sh- about yeah, we stayed about thirty two hundred dollars a pound for several years. I am getting offers today for five pound purchases at a thousand bucks a pound. Okay. Wow. Yeah, wholesale? it's talking quick. Yeah, wholesale prices. Uh, mm-hmm. Light depth or, or indoor? Uh, it was indoor organic grow. Wow, indoor no. organic
1: five. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be five grand. But then they're trying to move five of their pounds for a thousand bucks each.
3: Yeah. So this is what happened in Massachusetts. So typically in Massachusetts, we have our outdoor grows come off. So a lot of the indoor growers will hold our inventory September, October, November. Because the outdoor grows come over, they flood the market, wholesale prices collapse, right? Yeah. And they'll hold them till January, February, they'll bring them back to the market. We had a record outdoor crop this year. We have four times the amount of current cultivation coming online in the next two years. All the uh, cultivators and match held their inventory thinking, oh, January, February, the prices are going to go up. They're not. Ah. We have a major trade show in January in Worcester, Massachusetts. All the cultivators are going to be there. All the retailers are going to be there. The retailers are going to go, what do you got for me? No, Joey's offering me five pounds for X. Can you match it? No, okay, I'll go to the next guy. And the cultivators are going to realize, holy shit, I got to show my stuff now because if I wait another three, four, five hours or till tomorrow on the show, I'm going to be selling it for $300 less a pound. Damn. But we are—we have a major correction in Wholesale prices coming in Massachusetts that will massively favor the manufacturers and the, and the uh, uh, dispensary people, uh, mm-hmm. which we're very excited about because that's where on, we're on right now. And there's going to be a lot. of I, I was seeing pitches for cultivations in January, February this year, assuming $2,500 wholesale prices for the next two or three years. I told them then they were delusional. Ooh. Guys, look at the market. Look what's coming on this. Oh, those those cultivations never going to get online. Well, they are and they're coming online. And damn. It's it's but it, it's the same thing that's played out in every single state, right? right. You know, the, the wholesale price starts out here and it collapses quickly as, you know, everyone jumps into the to the um, cultivation market because it's easy money at first. Mm-hmm. After 4 or 5 years, it becomes ag and yeah. ag is the price to the cheapest producer. I don't care what you're producing, whether it's beef Tomatoes, broccoli, whatever, whoever produces a good product, the cheapest wins. And that's mm-hmm. never going to be the Northeast United States. It's never going to be the Northern United States because we can't grow outdoor. California can grow amazing outdoor product four seasons a year. The Southeast can grow outdoor product three seasons a year and have quality and core growth. They've been growing tobacco for generations. Mm. It's never going to be the Northeast. So, you know, there's got to mean- be a direction in the Northeast.
2: There might be a connoisseurish type
3: thing, right? You guys got dirt. I mean, northeast dirt. Oh, I like northeast. that. Well, so that's that's great that you said that. So I like the five thousand to ten thousand square foot. Um, you know, we're talking about like uh, you know craft beers, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. we have a five thousand to ten thousand square foot cultivation indoor grow high quality product. I can push most of that through my dispensaries in Massachusetts. I don't have to rely on the wholesale market. I mm-hmm. can do JVs with dispensaries. You know, hey, you're 30 miles from me. We're not in competition. I'll give you my product. You give me yours at a good price. We'll swap product and we'll have exclusive product in our areas that neither yeah. one, you know, our competitors have this rules for that. But I have no desire to have a 50 or 75,000 square foot grow in Massachusetts yeah. and rely on wholesale pricing because it's just going down and it's yeah. a risk to the bottom. But, yeah, to your yeah. point, you're 100%. That craft brew model, I think, has legs. Oh, God, yeah. But then you need the retail. And so we have, you, yeah, have, you to, have to. Do first. So canapreneur. entrepreneur? then you started
1: with retail first. And so an entrepreneur, you'd uh, counsel them and be like, well, how about you start with the retail? Because you're going to be able to buy some distressed assets on the on the cultivation side in the future.
3: 100%. Um, Who would you rather be, Starbucks or the coffee grower? Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Right, McDonald's are the meat maker. Right, at the end of the day, you want to be the retail outlet for that high quality product. Now, it's up to you as a retailer to find the high quality product, get it on your shelves, or grow it yourself. There but you I think you're, I think you're definitely ahead of the ball game than you know trying to sell cannabis to the guy who's willing to pay the highest price for it in a market that's seeing downward pricing pressure. Mm-hmm.
1: I think you know, it's an open market. So everybody wants to get in, can. They're welcome to apply. If yes. they can find a community that wants them, they can find a community that wants them. They'll get If they want to pay to get the license and put all the paperwork in order, they'll get it. Uh, yes. and, and I admire that aspect of it because mm-hmm. that allows for real market participation and innovation and a better uh, selection and quality and price point for the consumer, which... Some states, Alabama is the worst offender right now, but Illinois is up there, and so is Florida. They manipulate the market to artificially control the price and the supply, which is weird. But
2: that—that's the bad regulation part for me. You know, that's the when you create that limited market, then you create more. That's the crime. That's the ability to create crime. You know, just let the fair
1: market play. You know, every pays their fee to play. And then either you win or lose. That's it. (laughs) Well,
2: Todd,
1: how has the uh, illicit or the unlicensed or the legacy uh, or the traditional market fared in Massachusetts? Have you seen it actually crash because the uh, licenses are more open and then the price comes down and the quality goes up?
3: Yeah, it's 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 a. Limited factor at best in the Northeast. At least in Massachusetts, I can't say the Northeast. I say Massachusetts. It's a major factor in New York. I mean, they already have the legal dispensaries open that they're not policing. You know, there aren't illegal dispensaries open in Massachusetts. (laughs) They just aren't. You know, you have illegal delivery operations that are working that are going and buying uh, discounted products from dispensaries and reselling them at a markup and they're delivering them to your door. There's a few of those out there. But as a legally licensed operator, we don't have the same type of competition that New York and California operators are going to have. Yes, there's an illicit market, but it's it's street corner. Go to some guy's house and get it. It's not a storefront that right. you're competing against in your town that's operating illegally. It just doesn't happen here because of the regulations and the way we are, uh, both with our police and our Cannabis Control Commission out here. It just It's just not It's not a fact. It's a nuisance. It's not a factor in how you Mm. do business. And as the wholesale price and then the retail prices continue to fall, we're bringing more people out of that market. Because at the end of the day, you look at Whole Foods, people want test. they want to know what they're buying is good. Yeah. Right. They want to know what they're buying, doesn't have pesticides, doesn't have molds, doesn't have fentanyl, doesn't have cocaine mixed in it. That's illegally tested product. So as those prices fall, you bring more people out of that illicit market into the legal regulated market, and that's good for everybody involved. You know, not only just they want to know test it and to know if it's gonna be a good
2: product, but people will buy shitty weed too. They just want to know what's in it, right? Like well, turn it all over.
1: T H C and how much is this a gram? You
3: know, yes, yes, that's it. Exactly, exactly.
2: But for like pesticides, for someone who cares and wants to look for that kind of stuff, they can, you know, because people smoke cigarettes, so people will buy stuff with like, oh, it's this it has heavy leads in it or whatever percentage is acceptable. You know, I know it's not for the average. Like there is, I've seen some patients, you know, can really tell the difference to the cannabis, and and you know, that's the immune system you're talking about. You know, that's beyond me now. But I'm just saying, you can tell different good weed is like good medicine too, right? Uh, But to find that bottom line price, that's the hard part.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what types of things do you have on tap uh, for 2023,
3: Todd? So we have two more dispensaries coming in 2023 in Massachusetts under our joint operations brand. Uh, We have two extraction and manufacturing facilities that we're currently in the progress of building out. And then we have negotiations with several small cultivators uh, that we're looking at to add to our stables. So we will be vertically integrated by the end of 2023, and we will be operating in multiple states. So we'll be a privately held MSO by the end of next year. Neat. Very excited about that.
1: Yes. And then it's, uh, is it jointoperations.com?
3: Is this uh, one of the websites? There you go. We awesome. have our bundles. We have our sales. We have our value vault. We are the, our value vault features the lowest price in every category in the town that we operated in. So we'll have special products for the most price conscious shoppers in our value vault. We have bundles in Massachusetts. I can't say the word sale. I can't say the word discount, huh. but I can give you regulations. A, yeah. yeah, But I can bundle you at a price that's buy one, get one free or buy one, get one half price And so a the Massachusetts the consumer understands that bundle means special pricing. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're very aware of the U.S. consumers being pinched on a lot of fronts right now and that we're also very aware that majority of people, the vast majority of people that use this plant use it to treat some sort of condition. And we want to make sure that we have available product at good prices for those people at all times. So we have the premium product. We have the high price product. But we will also always have that value section for that very price conscious consumer who is treating a condition or an ailment with their cannabis and just needs their medicine. And we'll always provide that for them
2: do you guys know the reason why regulatory bodies don't like to give discounts and and like just, just give freebies? Like why?
3: Massachusetts says we can't do any advertising that encourages the consumption of cannabis. Oh,
1: man. Yep. Yeah, I've heard that one. And then uh, I <laughs> heard a, it, a very interesting one out of Illinois this past week uh, when I was, was talking to somebody who owns a consumption lounge. They've recently changed the law in Illinois to allow for gifting of adult use cannabis. So a, a adult use operator in the state will sponsor a, um, a consumption lounges like night or something, and then they'll go buy all their inventory and then give it out and as like gifts. In the uh, amounts that are compliant with the law so they just have to book their i mean it's it's like you're booking your own sales yeah. and then you're taking it out to go give at a consumption lounge because you're not allowed to sell at the consumption lounge and i'm like this is bananas
3: you have an industry in every state called alcohol that you have rules that you've tested and run for what it's 100 years now right prohibition was right almost hundred years. yeah right? so just yeah. Just put the same damn rules in place. It's easy. But <laughs> seriously, though, no. that stuff messes you up worse, and I mean, regulate like I mean, yeah. regular. Let us say, you know, buy one get one free. Let us say it's a sale today. I mean, the fact that it's it, 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 whatever. It's politicians. You wow. know, whenever you get politicians involved, you're going to get stupid stuff. So, yeah. It's just, it defies just like, logic. Well, just like DC, right? You still got
2: to buy thirty dollars stickers or whatever yeah. case.
3: Yeah. Massachusetts, New York's saying three million dollars to apply for a cultivation license. Yeah. How many licenses do you think you're going to apply for? Oh, it's yeah. uh, the Connecticut right? so social, social equity gang. The yeah. yeah. plop down for an application for a cultivation license in New York State. No, we're not going to do it. They, it's amazing. It's I didn't <laughs> think any of the security in California and New York was like, we got this. Don't worry about it. We'll fuck it up before we open.
1: Nope. Yeah, Jeez. somebody who sits in Illinois, I feel the same People way. How can they get in touch with you then? Should they should we send them over to canapreneurpartners.com? Is that
3: yeah, Todd Sullivan at canapreneurpartners.com. Um, Twitter at Todd Sullivan. Easy to get a hold of. My phone number and my uh, email are all over the websites. Anyone that wants to talk, if you want to do business in any state, if you're looking to invest capital in the industry and you want to invest in the East Coast, we're strictly in East Coast play. I'm not touching anything in oregon washington or california i like limited license states high regulatory states regulatory certainty i want to know that if i open up a dispensary and i take your money as an investor in that state that we're not going to be competing against someone two doors down who's operating illegally so we like the east coast i like the way it's rolling out with the exception of new york unfortunately which would probably would have been the second biggest market in the u.s had they done it even remotely accurately Mm. Uh, but if you're in jersey connecticut Pennsylvania, Virginia, Rhode Island, Vermont, Maine, reach out. We're happy to have a conversation with you.
1: Cool. If you want to get into Illinois, let me know. Illinois is actually not bad. I think it's going to be one of the better markets next year, simply because all their licenses are for sale. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. but you, you know like uh, thank you so much for joining us and hopefully awesome. everybody that uh, you know hung out and they really enjoyed this these are our, our 420 somewhere spots so if you know somebody in the industry that we should talk to put it in the comments and if you want to hang out more there's going to be a video right down there that you can keep on the system or the platform <laughs> so people really <laughs> like you see you next time everybody
3: we like you thanks for having me thanks todd for we'll appreciate it